Now don't get don't get scared and start turning off your radios, huh? I'm not advertising or trying to sell you anything. If the mouthwash you're using uh, is uh, not the right kind and it tastes sort of like sheep dip, why you just have to go right on using it. I can't advise any other kind. So. Welcome to Bacon, Beans, and Limousines. This is a Will Rogers Memorial Museum podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Crumwitty. And I'm Bart Taylor. We want to welcome you into episode 16. We're going to deal strictly with Will and his time in the Follies as he transitions into writing and beyond. This is a part two, so I say sit back, relax, pop on those cowboy boots. We'll see you in a second. Guys, we're back, and you know what? Bart was right. Hey, we are gonna echo that. <laughs> Thank you. We are. Uh, we had been talking about uh, Zigfield Follies uh, a couple episodes ago, and we're getting right back on that. So, right into the swing of things. Um, you know, we're gonna be talking this week about the um, about the part two ish part two of the Zigfield Follies. Yeah, but uh, normally uh, we we record uh, one episode per weekend and. Uh, this this week we did two this weekend, so back we're back. we've been down here in this basement for longer than I care to admit. Yeah, I mean our vocal cords are stressed. You can probably hear it. I mean, I'm struggling right now to get out my a's and my oos and my ahs because so, <laughs> we say a lot of that. <laughs> but uh, it's been it's what we're trying to do is get back um, on a regular schedule, maybe even a weekly schedule if we can. So. Um, we're uh, we're kind of really hitting it hard, trying to get some uh, some content ready for you guys, and um, because we know you want it and you need it out there on the airwaves or the internet. The waves. airwaves, <laughs> the inter- the internet. You waves. old man. <laughs> well, um, uh, tell them what we talked about last time. Maybe just a little overview. Yeah, just to give you guys a little reminder, we talked about uh, the Zigfield Follies, um, mostly. Uh, well, actually, his uh, Will Rogers um, beginnings with Florence Zigfield, which mostly comprised the Midnight Frolic. And um, we kind of ended the show talking about how he began, um, how Will Rogers began, um, got into the Ziffield Follies in 1916. So we're going to kind of pick up there and, you know, examine um, the rest of his vaudeville career. Um, these next uh, these next few episodes that we do kind of from here on out are going to be not quite as chronological as we would like, but more almost thematic. because like a program. There's so much uh, that Will did uh, from this point on simultaneously. He was the, he did you know his his radio stuff. His he's uh, doing weekly articles. His his, his newspaper writing. His uh, movies were all going on at the same time. You know at this point he's getting into you know. And basically we're lazy. We don't want to cover it all. Not all at once. And it makes it actually you know it kind <laughs> of it kind of makes for a poor story when you're trying to cover a, hub, a bunch of different things right. at, at the same time. So we're gonna go thematically. We're gonna look at you know. One week we'll do, you know, his uh, film or at least maybe like his silent film yes. career. Yes. Um, and then, you know, maybe the week after that we'll be looking at um, uh, uh, his newspaper. Right. And his political side. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a lot that we've got coming up in the next couple uh, next couple weeks. So um, tell your friends. Stay yeah. tuned. Stay tuned for those big O announcements from the BBL crew. That's right. Guys, give us a break. Well, not literally. 
just give us a tiny commercial break and we'll be right back, okay? Fancy feast. Thanks. Thank you, Jacob. We'll see you in a bit. Amidst all of the lights, all of the glamour, and all the splendor that Broadway has to offer, there is one star that shines above all the rest. Well, Jacob, who's that? Tawedian coffee. It's as hot as the Ziegfeld Follies. It's as fresh as Will Rogers' wit. And it's as black as the night seen from the roof of the Midnight Frolic. Chirp, chirp. Tawedian coffee. Freshly brewed brilliance. Have you tried yourself some coffee today? Tawedian coffee. Well, Jacob, I'm going to dive on in. Ready, ready to go, man. The... Uh, yeah, like 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 we were saying, he we kind of left off in 1916, right? When he began working with uh, uh, the Ziegfeld Follies proper, and d- and doesn't he go back to the Follies eventually? Is that why we're kind of keeping it with the part two of the Follies? Yeah, he'll go back again. Um, he'll go back again. You know, after um, a couple a couple years on down the road, he, okay. He'll even revisit the Follies again. But uh, excellent. Um, really, after. Uh, if you remember last time again, uh, 1916 with the Follies, um, when he started with the, with the Ziegfeld Follies proper 1916, um, he actually continued doing the Midnight Frolic as well. So he was doing essentially two shows a night, busy, really, really busy, and um, uh, doing two shows a night and occasional matinee performances as well. So he was really working pretty hard at this point in his life. And and like we've always liked to point out, he was getting paid. What was that statistic you were talking about today? You kind of figured. I thought that was really neat. You got to bring that up. He was, yeah, he was. Uh, I'll get that. He was getting um, a little less than five hundred dollars a week. Um, what was? What, what do you have there as far as he was making? Four hundred fifty. Four fifty. Yeah, four fifty. Um, you know, he was he was making you know x amount of dollars, and you know, you think, oh, okay, four hundred fifty dollars a week. Well, this is in nineteen sixteen. Yeah. And you know, um, that's that's a lot, a lot of money nowadays. <laughs> Um, that's still more than most people make a week nowadays. Yeah. Well, you know? that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, keep in mind that Will Rogers is doing pretty good at this point in his life. You know, he's kind of made it. Um, and you know, he, but even still at that point, you know, he's not even at the point in his career where he is known all across the nation and even right. the world. I mean, sure. He's a, people know him and he's very successful, right. but we haven't got to the point where he is in everybody's ear on the radio he's right. you know in everybody's um, international friends humanitarian yeah you right. know he all that stuff where he is you know just permeating news media of the time we haven't even got to that point yet and we may never get there actually we will <laughs> we will eventually well number episode number 16 uh, <laughs> it's taken us this far to get this far so <laughs> I know. this long quite a long far, time so. <laughs> um you know and the thing was you know I, I mentioned you know he was doing these two two different shows per night he always wanted to keep his material fresh. So anytime he did a show, he didn't want to be talking about the same thing. Right. Because a lot of those those people would be coming to see the shows night after night. Right. It, it, was, it was the elite, the, the rich. Exactly. And, you know, when he's doing these shows, literally back to back, you know, going from the Follies down in the main theater up to the roof and the Midnight Frolic, it might be the same people. So he can't do the same same right. um, jokes uh, back it's, to back. It's kind of like hanging out with you. I just never wanted to. Bring it up till now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I, I, if I find a good joke, I like to stick with it. <laughs> well, usually the good jokes come from me, and I usually rehear them again. So thank you. Yeah. 
I got you. What can I say? <laughs> I know, nothing. Um, well, one, one thing I wanted to bring up was how what a mastermind producer flow was, oh, you know, man. and the teaming up. I guess just the team, like you know, it's it's like a recurring theme on our BBL podcast of the mentors and the, the people he surrounds himself with. <clears throat> they lead him to better fields, better pastures. Yeah, um, working with flow, he. I mean, he single handedly. You, you could say saved the Follies. He brought them out of you know debt. Um, helped you know. He wasn't just a vaudevillian. He he wasn't just a celebrity this time. He was working his way up to some of those nicknames like we, we were talking about earlier before we started recording. Like the the, the philosopher uh, with the lariat. Yeah. And what was the other one? Um, there's one that I I came across actually while I was researching. What was it? It was the uh, was it the poet, the poet lariat. Poet lariat instead yeah. of laureate. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, like we were saying, you know, he's doing these two shows. So he's, he's always kind of relied on newspapers to provide a lot of his jokes and material for jokes. At this point in his career, it's almost essential that he is going right. to the news at every, every day to get new material, new things to, so he is reading voraciously, trying to find, right. find all this stuff. And so, you know, that's really where, you know, his, his kind of, uh, catchphrase that we hear so much nowadays. Everything I yeah, you know, the, um, uh, <laughs> I forgot it too, but it's okay. Sorry. All I know is what I read in the papers. Yeah. yeah. All I knew, all I know is what I read in the papers. It really came out of this, um, came out of this, uh, this time in his life where he's, um, quoting newspaper articles all the time. You know, I think it's really interesting to bring this up. If we look at our, our, our progression and in, in covering this content, you see Will starting off throwing rope tricks, not even knowing how to joke. Mm-hmm. And playing off messed up rope tricks, rope tricks yeah. by apologizing, and he figures out that the audience is laughing at this, you know, this style of making fun of himself. Right. And now we're at this point where, you know, he's considered the philosopher with a lariat. He's got these nicknames. He's becoming this big celebrity mm-hmm. with this new comedic style. So I, I just think it's neat how we've seen the progression from maybe not even knowing he was supposed to be that person. You right. Know? So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of nicknames, uh, another one that I came across was um, a, a newspaper critic referred to Rogers as the columnist of the theater, since, you know, nice. newspaper articles was mostly what he was talking about, um, which, you know, kind of, you know, as, we, as we'll look at in a couple weeks, um, his newspaper um, career, it kind of is, is a nice foreshadowing of uh, what he's got, what he's got coming. But it was kind of his trademark, though, the, the news and the social and political commentary that he offered um, you know, based on based on what he had read. Uh, there's an incident that's uh, I want to bring up that was in Yagoda's book um, that's real similar to the Madison Square Garden incident. And this is kind of off topic, but I just found out Jimmy Rogers, when he was playing the story of Will, Will you know, Will Rogers when he was in the movie, he actually reenacted that scene in that movie. Will Rogers, Will, Will, Jr. Roger, Will Rogers Jr. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I was watch. I was I was watching the the film earlier today, and uh-huh. I saw that, and I was like, "Oh, that's neat." So they, they reenacted that, but it brings me to my next point. Um, he was getting all this publicity, um, just becoming this big celebrity um, at the time, and one of the bigger incidents that got in the paper, you know, <coughs> was excuse me, sorry. <laughs> One of the incidents that got in the paper um, was covered was the deer drive. And I know this sounds kind of funny, but they were driving deer through Long Island um, with, I think it was about 70 game wardens, it said. Yeah, 70 state game wardens. And they asked Will Rogers to come along, of course. You know, and then, you know, this could be for the papers. This could be for just having a good guy around. 
Uh, all of a sudden, this deer takes off running towards the sound, towards the water. Uh-huh. You know, just dumb, you know. So Will takes off, all exciting, you know, grabs his rope and ropes the deer right back in, saves its life. Boom. It's, it's, in, it's in three New York papers the next day. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's kind of funny. Yeah. Will Rogers always getting himself in the paper by his lariat. His lariat. Yeah, he, he had caught New York's imagination, it says. So. This was also kind of the time when you saw more principal comedians coming up. Um, that he was working with, like we said, the W.C. Fields and the Eddie Cantor. Uh huh. Um, now tell tell me about uh, a little bit about Eddie Cantor and uh, W.C. Fields. Well, both their 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 performing styles were a little bit different, um, you know, and a little bit the same because from vaudeville, you know, Eddie Cantor um, and Will did some of the certain certain things, but Eddie Eddie was a little bit more controversial. He did a blackface act, uh-huh. um, played the banjo really would do anything for a laugh, um, whereas Will was developing this whole um, comedic persona, you know, um, and a real, like, simple simple comedic per- persona. There was no, you know, bad things that he was really doing. Yeah. Um, it, so I guess the performing styles were a little bit different. Like I said, um, Cantor did, would do anything it took to get the laughs. Uh, Fields was kind of another story. Um, he and Will were very similar, both born the same year. Both with the first name, same first name, but uh, W.C. Fields was kind of more like a dumb act, kind of like Will was at the beginning in vaudeville. He was uh, he doing did juggling, juggling things, yeah, and yeah. making fun of himself, and um, you know maybe being a little bit more sexual with his content, you okay. know. So a little bit different, but you know, real, a lot of similarities too. Mm-hmm. Um, W.C. Fields wasn't quite the, uh, the 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 nicest guy. Right, right. He uh, he was a little bit uh, rude, grouchy. Um, to everybody, not not just the public. He he was m- miserable, including Will including Will Rogers. Too. Right, right, yeah. right. And I think Will does talk about that a little bit later. Um, but you know, Fields never badmouthed Rogers in public. Um, that was the one thing I think Will was always good with people, uh-huh. and uh, he, you'd never wanted to badmouth that guy. You know, right. there was he never gave you anything to do that for. You know, and um, Fields being you know the man he is, grouchy Mister Never never once said anything against Willie. So I thought that was pretty neat. At least to his face. Yeah. Kind of like me and you. <laughs> um, now, the uh, Ziegfeld Follies, you know, we had talked about uh, last last time a little bit. Um, you know, it's a, it's a it was a show that, of course, was based in New York, um, and it played there for, for a while, but then it would also go on tour as well. Um and the thing with, with the Ziegfeld Follies, and I think um, Mr. Ziegfeld kind of created it this way, was he had a very regular set schedule that he almost wanted it to be a tradition. Like every same time of year, every year is when the Ziegfeld Follies right. came to town. Um, so that regular schedule of the show, um, in the spring and the summer, the Follies would play in New York. You know, that's kind of where it was based. Okay. Um, and then um, in Thanksgiving, they would play in Pittsburgh. Uh, Christmas in Chicago, things like that. So every th- every it was a very regular regular type of um, type of occurrence when they would go on the road. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, even um, even though in the spring and summer of 1916, um, like we said, Will Rogers was still performing um, both the Ziegfeld Follies and the Midnight Frolic, but he was just getting paid as though he was just performing in the Midnight Frolic. Right. When he started in 1916, he was really wanting to. Um, make his break in, in the big time and he was really focused on that and actually kind of he, he when he first saw the 1916 show 
he kind of recognized that it needed it needed a little something else, and he kind of thought he could have that was his chance. Right. So he was doing it just to prove that he could do it, and you know, prove to Mister Ziegfeld that he could do it. But he hadn't got paid for it. Ah, so, yes. <laughs> so um, he kind of uh, at this point in his life, you know, he was wanting to um, more or less wanting to make a name for himself, but really kind of uh, to themselves, Will and Betty. So I was reading in um, Betty Rogers' biography um, of Will. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of decided they wanted to, uh, before the show went on tour, um, you know, he wanted to actually start getting paid for what he's done, which was at least $500 a week, which right. was a little bit a little bit of an increase. Um, but um, actually before the show went on tour, Mr. Ziffield himself um, came to visit uh, Will Rogers in his dressing room and actually offered him $600 a week for the first year and $750 a week for the second year. Nice, okay. Um, he offered him a contract. And this, uh, this, and th- he doesn't do contracts, does he? Right, right. And so Will Rogers, you know, uh, what he did was um, when he made the offer, you know, suggested uh, they come down to his office, to Mr. Ziegfeld's office, to sign the contract. Will would have none of it. You know, he, he essentially said, uh, just kind of paraphrasing, I don't like contracts. You can trust me, and I know I can trust you. And they just did a handshake deal, and that was it. And for the rest of, of his his time with with, the Zig, with Mr. Ziegfeld, they never once had a contract. It's always just a handshake deal. That's what I do with my parking tickets. <laughs> I, I shake the hand of the person giving me the ticket. So I say I will pay it. I'll pay it. And they just walk around. <laughs> how's, how's that gone for you? I have a worn out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, there was a uh, – but when uh, – Will left uh, to go do the movies, which we'll talk about later. Um, Mr. Ziegfeld actually gave him a platinum watch uh, engraved that said, To Will Rogers, in appreciation of a real fellow whose word is his bond. Ooh. Isn't that cool? Oh. Yeah, I thought that nice. was, really, was really neat. And don't we have a china set that, the, that was given to Will and the family? Yeah. Yeah. We, we sure do. Um, yeah. So I, I just thought that was neat. Yeah. That is definitely neat. Yeah. It's... Um, I just like the recurring theme of, you know, he always he's always making great friends and people that can help him out, people that trust in him. Uh-huh. You know, and that's very important. Um, you know, that shows its face through the rest of his life. Um, even when he's playing polo and stuff, you, you kind of see, you know, just all the big wigs of the, the movie industry, um, some of his old friends. I mean, it's kind of neat to see just everybody he's surrounding himself with. Um, Douglas Fairbanks playing polo with him, uh-huh. um, Spencer Tracy, all those good guys. Um, if they were good guys, <laughs> I'm hoping they were. Um, one thing I think that is uh, pretty cool to bring up was a joke that he said during his Follies routine. I wanted to pick. I wanted to pick out one funny joke that he wrote. Okay, yeah. and and share it with everybody because I thought this it's just classic Will, and it's about gum, Wrigley's gum. You know, he was always chewing, chomping gum. So of course he had to comment on it. And this is in Will's words, of course. I just thought to myself, if Bill Wrigley can amass this colossal fortune and pay the manufacturing charges, why can't I do something with second hand gum? (laughs) I will have no expense, only the accumulation of the gum after it is thoroughly masticated. Who would be the most beneficial to mankind? The man who invented chewing gum or the man can find a second use for it? (laughs) Why say, if I can take a wad of old gum and craft it in some other substance, I will be the modern Burbank. With the ideas I have got used for used gum, I may be honored by the native state of Oklahoma by me being made governor. (laughs) With the impeachment clause scratched out in the contract. All Wrigley had was an idea. He was the first man to discover that American jaws must wag. So why not give them something to wag against? 
that is put it in a kind of shock absorber so it's just it's just classic yeah. uh commenting on just normal observations and making it classic will rogers so i know you guys are laughing heavy and hard right now yeah ha 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 lols lols everywhere yeah um so you know will rogers continued to, to perform with the zigfield follies and like i said you know things are starting to overlap here um he does his first um silent film in 1918 but he actually continues in, and works with the zigfield follies um through 1922 um was that laughing bill hyde laughing bill hyde was okay. his first that was first his film. first film and was that um produced by john ford or i don't think so john ford did some of his later ones yeah there's, there's like dr bull and, road okay yeah. um okay. but uh, anyway so yeah at this point in his life he is um he continues on and you know like i said plays for the uh Continues with the with the, with uh, Mr. Zigfield through through 1922, um, but really by that point, you know he's also started um, started to, to do the um, he started to do a little bit of writing and you know he's starting to do the movies. This was kind of the first time he branched out to write. Right. Um, so you know he's by 1922, you know is when he's kind of grown a little bit too big for the Zigfield Follies. If that right. if that's even if that's even proper because. You know, even though Zigfield Follies was kind of the big time. It was kind of the elite. Um, he was starting to do other things, too, and become the Will Rogers that we know of him today. You know, the the um, multifaceted, multi-careered um, superstar. <laughs> yeah. So, Yes, know. superstar. That's a great word for it. Jacob, I wanted to bring up that, what you were just saying, that first time that he's breaking the world of journalism. Obviously, we will cover that more in depth. Yeah. Um, the man had what over two million words in print, mm -hmm. I believe, and over two thousand articles. Yeah, excellent. Okay, yeah, we'll dive into that a little bit more. But I wanted to share this with you guys because you're my friends, so I share things with my friends. <laughs> uh, the first time Will broke into, um, you know, actually it was published uh, for his journalistic work was the Extemporaneous Line, uh, which appeared in the July 1917 issue of the Theater Magazine. Like his act, the article was filled with plenty of Will Rogerisms, And I'll go ahead and read that for you guys. How did you get on the stage? Say anybody can get on the stage. It's keeping them off the tarn. A fellow can be the champion soup eater, and if he can locate a manager that will set him up behind a bowl and tell him to go, go at it, if he can keep the audience amused while he's on stage. So I thought that was pretty funny. He's, like, <laughs> he's just kind of uh, saying, hey, you can pretty much do anything you want. Get your manager. Yeah. And get yourself famous. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. So he, he would write, you know, a couple articles here and there. But, you know, it wasn't until later on, you know, 19, I think it was 1921 when he started doing a consistent, um, a consistent article every week sort of thing. But, uh, you know, um, this was, we talk about, you know, um, vaudeville and the Wild West shows at, as kind of the medium that. Uh, vaudeville and wild west shows you know were kind of the medium that gave will rogers the ability to get to the point where he was a um could be, become make a career out of a performer but it really wasn't until the zigfield follies um that the zigfield follies kind of enabled him to become you think he even thought that was possible until he got to the follies yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I won't pretend to guess on what right. you know, he was thinking about, you know, how, how he got there and things like that. But, you know, the Zigfield Follies was kind of the big time. It was what launched him into everything right. else. Really from that point is where, you know, he started writing 
from that point is where he started doing movies. And then, you know, later, once radio became a thing, um, well, really, his first radio broadcast was early in the 20s, too, so that would be right. good. Um, by that point is when he becomes, you know, the national star. Right. Um, and so this, the Ziegfeld Follies is what did it. So really we have the Ziegfeld Follies to thank for, for, you know, us even being here doing this, <laughs> doing this podcast because. I agree. Well, part, part of my check goes to the Follies organization still okay. to this day. <laughs> Just kidding. But so, yeah, it, uh, you know, the Ziegfeld Follies was such an important, uh, such an important part of Will Rogers career because it was the launching board for everything else. Oh, I totally agree. And I think, you know, within that comes the relationship that he had with Flo. Ziegfeld. Yeah. And um, again, mentors that help him get to that next level. Uh-huh. You know, because uh, Betty's book, actually Betty Rogers' book, brings up a great point. And she says, you know, that even though they didn't, you know, necessarily always get along at the beginning, you know, there was that time that even Mr. Ziegfeld didn't really think that even Will would be able to cut it. Didn't understand why, what was appealing about Will Rogers even right. initially. And to go from that to not idolizing but almost like you have your your own thing and i think almost will was going to get his own show at one point if he would have kept that up Mm -hmm. um which was interesting um you know zigfield was went from no trust to complete trust where he would you know handshake deals you know all handshake deals yeah Yeah. i mean Um, we 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 still tried to do that i tried to pay for my lunch with a handshake deal today yeah at sonic really yeah and i i pulled away and he still held onto my hand, so they, they I, just, okay. yeah, it just didn't. It doesn't work. work that way anymore, does it? <laughs> it just doesn't work. Well. Um, one thing, um, Betty's book also points out, is the respect and admiration that uh, Will had for Mr. Ziegfeld. I think that's important to point out. Um, you know, respect your bosses. You know, like I respect my bosses. You know, I'm looking over at you. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was neat because you know he never called him uh, Flo or Ziegs or anything like that. It was always Mr. Ziegfeld. Right. Always Mr. Ziegfeld. Um, you know, maybe that's the respect. Maybe that's good parenting, <laughs> Will, growing <laughs> up. But uh, I think it's just the wholesomeness of Will Rogers, the man, um, uh, b- being respectful uh-huh. towards yeah, That's, that's a lot of what it was appealing about him, you know. You know, you talk about the difference in people's acts. Um, you know, W.C. Fields was a little bit more, you know. Grouchy. And a little bit, some of it was a little bit off-color and raunchy, a little bit vulgar. Right. Um, Will Rogers stood in contrast to a lot of that stuff. And that's right. what was really appealing about him was that wholesome, simple, rural sort of uh, vibe that he had, even going back to vaudeville. And, right. And um, so that, that just kind of tells you a little bit about who Will Rogers was, I think. Um, well, anyway, guys, I think that kind of wraps it up, unless you've got anything, Bart, that we just need to throw in here real quick. Sure. I've got about seven more minutes, so just sit put. Okay. No, <laughs> Go ahead. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really anxious to, uh, to get into, like I said, things are starting to overlap here. And so we're going to kind of go thematically from here on out, but, um, really anxious to get into the next couple of weeks when we talk about his writing. Cause you know, he does, uh, some articles and some books, even, you know, during, during the time of his, uh, Ziegfeld Follies and also the films coming up. So, uh, guys stick around. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. So, um, tell your friends, go ahead and subscribe to us. Um, you know, like, uh, like us on Facebook, write and review, um, uh, you know, get, write us a review on iTunes and, um, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, because we got a lot of good stuff coming up, but we do, and we have a big surprise coming up, but that will stay shut for quite a while. So. Yeah. We're planning some, some neat things, some neat things, some really neat things. So, um, 
just to uh, kind of wet your whistles. It'll be a lot of fun, and um, that's all we're going to tell you. That's, a, that's it. That's all we're sharing. <laughs> well, Jacob, let's do the uh, the old usuals. Yeah, so uh, we want to... Uh, we want to thank um, the Will Rogers Memorial Commission, the Will Rogers Memorial Foundation, for making this uh, podcast possible. Uh, the episodes were uh, written and um, written by Jacob Crumwoody and Bart Taylor, and the episode is produced and edited by Bart Taylor and Calvin Frank. A special thanks goes out to the Move Trio for the use of um, our intro music and the music all throughout the uh, throughout the podcast. Um, the sources we used. Um, as always, was uh, Will Rogers um, by Ben Yagoda and Will Rogers by Betty Rogers. Those were the two biographies. And uh, the papers of Will Rogers, Volume 4. Um, so anyway, guys, thanks so much for joining, uh, listening to us again. Um, we'll have another one coming out pretty soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Episode 16. In the books. Boom. Bye.